Hey, everyone out there in Geek Dives Nation, this is Dane Alves with Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show. Well, actually, we, we now do two episodes, but a show that we do two times a week on uh, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at noon, live on Blog Talk Radio, uh, in which we break down, you know, all the wrestling news. Uh, we got some stuff to talk about. We're basically going to be going over uh, SmackDown, where we left off uh, last week or on Saturday. So we're going to go over last Friday's SmackDown, uh, Raw, and then NXT for this whole entire NXT Invasion angle building up to Survivor Series. And then, of course, we'll be talking about AEW. And then Saturday, we're, we're probably going to be going over uh, our predictions for Full Gear. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more news, uh, a lot of the news that's come out, uh, and uh, some NWA Power and uh, Friday SmackDown. So and maybe I'll do a little review for Impact. But, uh, yeah, if you guys – are new, go to geekvibesnation.com, check out our news items there. We're part of the Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, there you can find news for wrestling, comic books, comic book movies, a variety of things, and then find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, and our Facebook at Geek Vibes Nation. And uh, you can look up our show on any of the you know broadcasting uh, platforms between iTunes, between Stitcher, between Spotify, all of those. Find us. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Chris. Thank you so much for waiting while I fucking said all that wonderful jibber-jabber. Uh, Christopher, Brother Ray Patton, how you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Just got off work, uh, doing some chores around the house. Excited to talk about uh, all of the wrestling. We have a fuck ton to talk about and uh, having a cold beer. So uh, things could be worse for sure. How, how have you been, bud? Well, uh, currently I'm out of breath uh, from that intro, uh, but, you know, other than that, actually, I'm really good. I'm very, very, very chilled, you know, kind of Matt Riddle chilled, if you will, and, uh, you know, just ready to talk about some wrestling, excited about it. Let me get some water, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. All right, guys, so let's uh, start this off. Uh, we'll go over SmackDown from last Friday. Uh, I'm sure everyone's heard the news stories of, like, the whole entire Saudi Arabian thing and everyone coming back from Crown Jewel. A lot of people left in Saudi Arabia. Uh, that's, you know, that's that's keeping it mildly, honestly. Uh, but anyways, we'll go into that at another time. Uh, going into Friday SmackDown, they were forced to put something together kind of last minute. Uh, they had intentions to do an NXT invasion, and they're going to continue with Raw SmackDown and everyone going after each other for Survivor Series. They were going to do it anyways, but they were forced to kind of pull the plug on that uh, with Triple H already, I think, being over there. I don't know if he even went to Saudi Arabia. He probably did. Either way, he was back probably on Vince's fucking private jet that was there two hours while everyone was waiting. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, this sparked creative changes and a lot of stuff that happened on the fly so we were able to see the NXT roster over on SmackDown, and not only did SmackDown do pretty well in the ratings uh, come Saturday, but, you know, I think that it was probably and arguably from a lot of different people within the wrestling entertainment uh, industry one of the best SmackDown shows they've had this year, if not the best. Um, so that says a lot at, at, like, a little amount of time you know, to kind of scramble while, while it's been reported by many people that, that Triple H was kind of yielded to put everything together while Vince was trying to get to where they were, you know, 
it's uh, it's very telling what they can do with the NXT roster, Triple H's creative, and a day's worth of time, uh, other than what we probably would have got. Which, who knows, maybe it would have also been the best episode of SmackDown. Chris, what do you think about this, uh, this crazy, uh, you know, unicorn being formed from a fire of shit? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the craziest part is uh, when we were talking about the Saudi Arabia thing on, on Thursday, and maybe we'll do a full recap of it on Saturday's show, but um, it's it was very surprising. I think I had sent you a message. It's going to be interesting to see what they do on SmackDown. Uh, I was thinking maybe they do like an all-female wrestling event for SmackDown or bring up NXT people, and, and they did bring up NXT people, and it kind of just landed perfectly for them because they need to do the invasion angle for what they announced uh, Survivor Series being at Crown Jewel, which was uh, obviously SmackDown versus Raw versus NXT, so things played in, in very well. Um, very impressed with the show they were able to put together, especially knowing some of the NXT talent walked in as the show had already started. I think the there's some debate on whether it was like 7.50 or 8.05, uh, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter what they were able to pull together so quickly, even some of the matches they were able to get planned out, and obviously most of these guys can work in the ring when you're talking about Adam Cole and, and Daniel Bryan, for instance, but... Uh, Maybe not overthinking the show really helped them, and uh, NXT superstars going over strong here in comparison to Raw, which we're going to get into next after this, uh, I think made the show shine a lot more. And overall, yeah, I think this was the best SmackDown all year. I'm trying to think of another one that really stood out in there. It's, I mean, since Mania, everything's been kind of a, in a lull, so... This was a, a a nice change of pace, and I think the ratings, you know, with the NXT guys being there and the promise of Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan match uh, didn't didn't hurt at all. So it's it was just curious to see them have such good things to do with NXT, and then watching Monday Night Raw and seeing kind of the difference of uh, yeah, no, now Vince is back, and uh, there's Monday Night Raw. Here it is. Here's his version of the invasion angle versus what we could actually have as an invasion angle. Um, so, out, you know, outside of that, if we're looking at this as a standalone show, this was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was definitely a really, really, really good um, blessing in disguise, honestly, because this wasn't supposed to happen. Even if this was inevitably going to happen, I think that they had to bring it um, even harder uh, due to, you know, the fact that. They had a chance. They, you know, this was all set in motion. This is going to help NXT, and obviously in the ratings, I think it definitely did. This is good exposure. So I just think that the timing was actually just perfect. And for a lot of people, and I, I get it, you know, um, thinking that it's not wise of NXT to uh, be able to, you know, take on SmackDown. At the same time, I will say that a lot of the talent that was left over was the ones that were left over, and a lot of them were good, like Daniel Bryan and The Miz, but I don't think anyone, you know, it necessarily makes it look like NXT buried SmackDown. A lot of their biggest assets were in the air at that point. So um, I thought it was, like, like we both gushed over, I thought it was a really good show. Yeah, I would say, you know, the, the things I didn't like about the show were more of the main roster stuff with uh, Lesnar and some of the booking decisions going forward, uh, not necessarily the show and the way it was booked with NXT. I thought NXT looked super strong on the show itself. But 
always in the back of your mind, it just kind of creeps in. It's like, well, how can they fuck this up? Which, like I said, once we once we get to Raw, we'll talk a little bit more about that, I guess. Well, you know, it, it's it's very simple. Uh, the way that you can probably not fuck it up is, um, anyways, uh, the show opened with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. Um, the match with Cain Velasquez from Crown Jewel was shown in its entirety, uh, which is not that long, but, you know, they gave it to him. They gave it to the people that were there. Um as well as the post-match beatdown with Rey Mysterio. So basically Paul Heyman said that uh, Brock was pissed. He wanted Rey. He had a special uh, stipulation within his contract that he basically could do whatever, it, it seems like. So he's hightailing it out of there and conveniently going to Raw to pursue Rey Mysterio, which we will see play out on, on when we go over Raw. Um, while The Fiend, who's supposed to be a Raw star, has now the title – over on SmackDown, the Universal title. So, you know, the, we didn't really know how they were going to pull this off. I guess that's how we're doing it. I kind of made the the comment, are they going to switch, you know, the fact that uh, the Universal title is fucking red, or are they just going to say, screw it? I have no clue. That's just a question. Um, but either way, I thought it was your Paul Heyman. Um, I, all of this seemed very, you know, like it was going to happen. So I wasn't really uh, – I didn't think anything was weird of it. Uh, Chris, did you see anything differently from this uh, promo from Paul Heyman about Brock? No, I mean, we knew that Lesnar was probably going to end up on Raw. It's kind of weird that they're going that route, considering everything that they've told us about SmackDown is it's supposed to be more real, and they're going for more of a sports aspect, and that's what Fox wanted. They're going to have a sports after show and all this stuff, and SmackDown is basically just SmackDown again Um, after 11 days. I mean, if you really think about it, Rey Mysterio has already been on SmackDown, even though he's a Raw superstar for like two weeks. Uh, so this, uh, they didn't even try to justify it. Like uh, they could have, I, I think they did on Monday. They brought up the Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross trade for the conditional, uh, whatever Raw conditionals that they had. Like Paul kind of brought it up, but then he was just like, "Yeah, but then Brock just does whatever the fuck he wants." So I guess they're gonna play that into the storyline that Brock is just big leaguing. Uh, WWE until someone punches him in the mouth. But, yeah, it, I mean, we, we had a brand split for 11 days. We already have seen some crossover with Rey Mysterio to build the Kane match, and now they're going straight into Survivor Series, so you have invasion angles, which I'm assuming will go across brands. I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see, like, NXT stars tacking people uh, this coming, uh, or tomorrow, and Raw people showing up or something like that. Like I'm assuming that like the brand split split lasted 11 days, and now we're just going to be it's, we're just going to see whatever the fuck happens happens. Uh, <laughs> so from that standpoint, I hate it. But the other standpoint is like, I I don't know, man. I the I thought the Brock and Ray stuff they did Monday was good. So it's it, it is what it is. It's Brock. So they're just going to do whatever they want to do with him, anyways. Yeah, uh, I feel you. Well, they they were put in, they they were kind of put in a weird position also with the Fiend, but they got themselves in that position too, so whatever. Anyway, so Shawn Michaels, Triple H, watch Lesnar and Heyman leave the arena, giving their presence there, like, oh, why is DX here? Hmm, wonder why. Uh, then we got to the SmackDown Women's Championship match, Bailey going against Nikki Cross. Sasha Banks pushed Cross off the top rope, and Bailey won with what appears her new finisher, an armed hook headlock driver, and it looked pretty cool. And after the match, uh, NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler hit the ring and attacked everyone. Baszler walked out through the crowd. 
Uh, very kind of like Moxley-esque. X doesn't have like his same like, you know, Axl Rhodes fucking uh, man. It's kind of badass, man. I, I know that there's a lot of people that don't like Shayna, and I guess I get it. Um, it, I think it's her voice more than anything is usually what people's problem is, but I think she's a badass, and uh, I thought this was an awesome spot and made her look like a killer, and it was out of nowhere and was kind of like, okay, this is really happening. This is starting now. We're going to see a lot of NXT people just flood this whole entire show, which would happen. Uh, the match was good, too. Uh was not bad at all. Uh, obviously, the memorable thing happened after the match. Chris, what did you think about this whole entire angle? I actually liked the match. I thought it was pretty good, but like you said, the most memorable part was obviously Baszler showing up fucking, I think, like two minutes after she got there (laughs) to run out and do this interference spot, which I thought was great, and it made her look very strong. Um, I liked the follow-up on Raw as well. I I like Shayna. I think that, you know, there's just – I think people are just tired of seeing her on NXT, honestly, uh, more than anything else, just because she's been the kind of the top dog there for quite a while. Um, and they haven't done anything really to advance her character, whereas this is something new and fresh. And I think if they took that next leap with her, uh, specifically this match she's having with Becky, maybe if she got a win there, uh, and they do something where she comes to the main roster, you have like a legitimate threat as a heel. Um, I think that would all be smart moves. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I like this a lot. I will say uh, part of that timing where NXT showed up, that's why Aiden English was on commentary. For the first match, so when he randomly disappears, oh. that's the reason why. <laughs> I, will I did say not that know I liked that. Aiden, yeah, I will say I liked Aiden English on commentary better than whoever they replaced him with. Um, and I liked Renee, and I liked Renee uh, Young on commentary a lot. It's like she wasn't as stressed about it. Maybe she's gotten some of her confidence back or something, but she was pretty. Well, good I here. think she was also. She was also approaching it as a heel commentator, which she couldn't do, obviously, with Corey, and I thought she was way better at it. Yeah, I, I thought she fit in well here, but yeah, that's the reason that Aiden English was there for, like, the first match and then disappeared, because <laughs> that was an unplanned thing. Uh, just as a little side note, if you're looking for some backstage stuff, but that's uh, that's why that substitution happened. Pat was uh, originally supposed huh. to be the guy, and they were like, oh, we got Aiden here. We might as well throw him out there for the first match, so... um I guess he had already gotten the notes for the first match while Pat was getting settled in, and they kind of got him up to speed with everything else that was going to be going on on the show. But, yeah, that's why that sub happened, which was uh, one of the more interesting things that's happened in WWE in a while as far as the whole randomness of the show is great. But that was one that definitely stands out if you're looking at, like, hey, these guys literally just showed up. That's one of those moments I was talking about where you could clearly tell, like, oh, man, they had no fucking clue what they were going to be doing for some of this. Off the seam of their pants, man. That's crazy. And and I will say, dude, Tom Phillips and Aiden English do a great job on commentary on Two Five Live. I'm actually more um, more uh, wanting to watch it this week because it's actually going to be at the Performance Center, and I think that's a cool concept. I'm hoping maybe they're going to just do that because I think that will give the show. If the audience is interacting, it just helps out the fucking product a lot more. It'll feel like an NXT show as opposed to an after show with barely anyone left in the audience like it usually is, uh, you know, uh, normally. But they do a great job. Uh, Renee Young, like I said, I think she was good. You know, I think, well, we'll get to a point where she gets kicked in the face and, uh, you know, fucked up her nose and started bleeding. That was pretty funny, but shit happens. Um, and Pat McAfee, I don't know why he's associated with NXT so much because he only does the pre-shows for the takeovers. 
Yeah, I don't either. And I thought he was kind of the drizzling shits on commentary most of the night. Um, like I said, I think you should have they could have just left Aiden English out there and been perfectly fine. Um, but whatever, that was the call. They knew NXT guys were going to be there, so maybe associating him a little bit was part was part of the plan. Uh, even though I don't think it's actually going to play into anything, obviously. But, uh, yeah, making the NXT presence known, maybe. But, like I said, I, I thought that um, Aiden did fine in that first match, and I kind of would have preferred him. Uh, the, the As far as the 205 Live thing you brought up, it makes a lot of sense that they're doing more on t- with uh, with the Performance Center because most of the 205 Live guys seem like they're showing up on NXT shows, especially yeah. some of the bigger names like Leo Rush, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot more sense as far as an audience to put them in front of because me and you both being have been to some televised WWE events here in the past few years, and uh, specifically SmackDown and those taped matches, especially when they just kind of either show them at the beginning of the show or at the end of the show, they just kind of die to death. The crowd's usually completely sad. out of it, which which sucks. No, nah, man, it's it, it's sad. But uh, yeah, I, I think that they're actually, like I said, smart, and maybe that they'll, if this does well, if they get better numbers on the network, they'll think about doing this and just releasing it after SmackDown. They don't have to actually have it at the arena, so I think that's very beneficial. Uh, either way, uh, we had Kathy Kelly interviewing Sami Zayn, who was talking about talking crap about the NXT wrestlers and how he used to be the heart of NXT, and now he's moved on to such better things like managing another wrestler, even though he's one of the best in-ring wrestlers they have. <laughs> um, but he was confronted by Keith Lee and Matt Riddle, who were basically like, you know, oh, what, what are you saying, man? What are you saying? And kind of pushing him around a little bit. And um, what, what Sammy said that he had an NXT shirt on, uh, but he lied. He had a black T-shirt, and they basically kind of cornered him to the ring. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Riddle hit the ripcord knee into the bro Derek, and they hit a moonsault uh, from the second rope on Zane and just let their uh, themselves be heard. This is stuff that I was happy. I'm glad that Shannon got a re- reaction, and I'm so happy that you heard a huge arena like this, Chris, you know, saying, bro, 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 and do the Bath in Your Glory chant that I've done with the NXT audience. That was awesome. I'm glad that these guys are known, you know. I just – there's one person, and I hate to just throw this in there because it's not anything that has to do with the show, but it looks like Velveteen Dream's not going to be cleared until after TakeOver, um, unless they're just dicking around. He's actually going to be that mystery person for war games, but I doubt that. Um, this night really could have used Velveteen Dream massive exposure to a SmackDown audience, but can't always get it. I thought Matt Riddle and Keith Lee did great. I just hate that Sami Zayn is a geek. It would have been cool if you were like, man, fuck WWE and jump ships to NXT, you know? I mean, he's only one of the biggest prolific members of the NXT fucking alumni, but whatever. Anyways, what'd you think? Yeah, Sami Zayn is a complete fucking geek now. It's so unfortunate. He's so good. Um, I thought that – I really liked the, the actual spot. It did like Keith Lee and Matt Riddle were obviously over, but didn't they seem like huge fucking heels just bullying this one guy, especially the size of <laughs> Keith Lee? Like Sami yep. Zayn's been portrayed as like a manager essentially. He hasn't really had a match in three or four months, and they just like chased him to the ring and beat the absolute dog shit out of him, uh, which I know that Sami Zayn's been a, like playing an annoying character 
as far as the crowd's concerned, but they they did kind of come off on bullies. Like I, I don't. That's part of the problem with WWE brand invasions is they somehow all just become friends, but only for like three weeks. Um, hopefully there's some breakdown on the NXT side with that, and maybe that's why they take some losses at Survivor Series. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, it's it's always great to see uh, the King of Bros. I think the crowd reaction was there, and Keith Lee looks super strong, and they looked completely opposite here um, than they did on Raw when they were feuding with, I don't know, fucking Ryder and Kurt Hawkins on the outside of the ring, and like the B team randomly. Uh, yeah, so it's, it was good to see them have at least have a moment here, especially with what they're probably going to be doing with them on Raw. I agree. All right, so we we move on uh, to the Miz uh, TV segment. He was supposed to have Bray Wyatt on, but obviously that wasn't going to happen due to everything. So he was going to interview himself, which is a very Miz thing to do. I thought that was actually pretty funny how they just kind of threw that out there. Uh, But anyways, he kind of inevitably had Tommaso Ciampa instead, and Ciampa came out. Uh, got a good reaction again from the crowd, said someone needed to give Miz a reality check, calling him everything that's wrong with Raw and SmackDown. Uh, really laying a pretty good, mean promo that Tommaso Chup is great at. But I love that Miz took offense and just put it right back at him. And, you know, Miz is really good at promos. He always has been. The guys agreed to a match. Uh, we had the match between them. Uh you know, straightforward match. There were a couple times where I was a little bit worried about, even though, you know, obviously Miz is one of the safest workers. It just, Tommaso Ciampa just falling on his neck is fucking terrifying. Either way, Tommaso Ciampa de- defeated the Miz, which, you know, for Tommaso Ciampa, Miz is, has been a big superstar for them. I don't think it's as big as a win as Daniel Bryan, but that was still uh, pretty cool. They were able to put that together. I don't know. I might have switched the two of them. Like, it makes a lot of sense for Adam Cole to go against Miz because of a clash of egos and for Daniel Bryan to go against Tommaso Ciampa and you know but then again I guess you gotta have Adam Cole for the title I'm, the way they did it was fine but uh it, it, it was good what did you think about the Miz TV segment and then the match that followed Chris uh I was the segment I didn't care as much about just because it's there were some things that the Miz said that just didn't make any sense and weren't very Miz-like, like him saying, this is the promo battle everyone's been looking for. Um, and I don't necessarily know that when I think of like the Miz in a promo battle with someone, Ciampa is the first guy that comes to mind. Um, the match itself was fine. I mean, it was a Miz match. It wasn't anything bad. It's just like it's unfortunate for Ciampa because there's so many other great people he could wrestle, but they're like, I, why the hell didn't he just wrestle Nakamura? Was Nakamura trapped in Saudi? Like he wasn't yeah, on that show, he was, was he? Okay. So he was so. on that show. I was going to say that would have, uh, I, I don't know, maybe Ciampa versus Aleister Black. Oh, never mind. Hey, Black's on fucking here's, Raw. here's an idea. All right. So instead of doing what you did beforehand, you have the Miz get beaten down. Well, I guess they would have looked heelish, but they already looked heelish anyways. You get the Miz to get beaten down by Matt Riddle and Keith Lee, and then you have Sami Zayn do an obnoxious promo. Tommaso Ciampa comes out, impromptu match, and then Ciampa versus Zayn. Obviously, Ciampa goes over and doesn't make uh, Zayn look as bad as it did the Miz, I guess, if you will. I I guess my problem with this is, like, the Miz has gotten his ass kicked by literally everyone he's fought for the past three months. Yeah. No credibility. Um... 
so he doesn't really have any credibility other than he is still the Miz and good on the mic. But he, I mean, he literally got the shit kicked out of him by every one of Shane McMahon's little buddies for a while there. So if you're going to do this match with Ciampa, Ciampa to me should have just absolutely destroyed him. Which, I mean, he did, but not to the extent I would have had Ciampa to destroy him. Um, just because it's not going to hurt the Miz at this point. Like, fucking Miz getting destroyed yep. by Ciampa, that's just going to make Ciampa over, and the Miz is still going to be the Miz. Um, people are either going to love the Miz or hate the Miz. I don't think him getting a win or loss would have mattered, and if you're going to have Ciampa do it, you should have just had him fucking immediately end him. Uh, that's just a nitpicky thing. The match itself was fine. And once again, the thing to keep in mind is, uh, like like you said and like we said at the beginning of this, this shit was all written on the fly. And they probably yeah. had to fill time. So as far as the match goes, it was it was fine for what it was. Yep, I agree. Um, all right, so Daniel Bryan, I love this this part. Daniel Bryan confronts Shawn Michaels and Triple H about why they were here, and I just love that Daniel Bryan is that much of a badass that he goes to his former mentor and teacher Shawn Michaels and Triple H, who's been his enemy but is also the COO of the fucking company. Is like, why are you guys here? Like, he knows that they're plotting. And Triple H's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just hanging out here, you know? But it, it escalated, and uh, Triple H took offense. Daniel Bryan won to, chance, ch- or, uh, to challenge Triple H in the ring. Uh, Triple H, you know, got in his face. I think he said something about the fact that he was wearing a suit. Then kind of said that he had someone else there. While that's happening, we also see Shawn Michaels take off his jacket it was a good little bit it, it, it kind of pissed me off a little bit being a diehard Shawn Michaels fan because don't tug on my heartstrings like that uh but Daniel Bryan you know kind of looks at Shawn and 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 Shawn's like oh it's cold in here and puts back on his jacket Triple H's like you didn't think it was gonna be him did you uh just good stuff Adam Cole comes in the frame and it's positioned that we're gonna have Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan and the thing that I realized the most is that there wasn't much left and we probably had, like, I think an hour. So they were going to have a lot of time to wrestle, and that's fucking awesome. So I really, really like this segment. I love the interaction with Daniel Bryan, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H. And I love the, the, the hints that it might have been Triple H, that it might have been Shawn, and then bringing Adam Cole into it, getting the NXT title on the line, all good shit. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this segment? I loved everything about it, except that I was really hoping that, um, like, Rowan would have drove a forklift into a bunch of boxes. And then they just landed on <laughs> Never mind. Oh, sorry. Wrong. Looking at the wrong notes. Um, no, all jokes aside, it was, a, it was a pretty cool backstage segment. But now every time I see someone backstage near anything that can fall, at least for the next couple months, I'm going to just wonder if Rowan's back there. Um, no, I, I like the segment a lot. I thought it built to a really good match. And, and like you said, um, Triple H and Sean are just kind of money in these scenarios anyways, putting those two together. And Sean teasing that he's going to fight Daniel Bryan, which is a match everyone's talked about and wanted for a long time. I mean, even before Bryan had retired, people were hoping that Sean would come back for a match against Bryan, especially after he beat Triple H for the title. Um so it was fun to see that kind of play out and also good that they're putting Adam Cole in a situation to succeed against a really big name um, athlete that the fans actually still care about because people still care about Daniel Bryan, regardless of the fact that he's been booked kind of like shit recently too. But outside of that, yeah, great, great segment overall, man. And uh, it definitely showed you that like NXT is a force to be reckoned with going into Survivor Series. 
at least from this show standpoint. Yeah. Once we get to Monday Night Raw, I have other thoughts. Yeah, you, you ain't fucking with us until Mondays, bitches. All right, uh, we had a match that was supposed to be Fire Desire, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville going against Carmella and Dana Brooke, uh, but they didn't come out, and then we go to the back. Bianca Belair has jumping backstage, is beating the crap out of them. Uh, Rhea Ripley on mic comes out with uh, Tegan Knox uh, and basically challenged them. Uh, Rhea Ripley's awesome. Um, we had Fire and Desire go against Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox, and Ripley won by a submission of the inverted cloak, standing clove relief that she does uh, when she did it to Mandy Rose. Uh, it was actually, you know, it wasn't a bad match. My only complaint. You know, it's kind of like the suckiness of Velveteen Dream being there. It's cool seeing fucking Bianca Belair take out two people in the back. No offense to Tegan Knox, I would have put Bianca Belair as one of the people to show off to the audience on the mic and then in the ring. But that's my only critique. Uh, other than that, I did like the segment. I did like uh, Rhea Ripley and how she was presented. She's a fucking badass. I can't wait for her and Shayna Baszler inevitably in the future. And, uh, yeah, I thought this was a uh, pretty decent overall and a good way to use the, the, uh, NXT women. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I liked it as well. I mean, outside of Dana Brooke showing up for the first time in months getting murdered, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dana, I had to, had to throw Dana it out Brooke. there. Uh, <laughs> outside of that, um, yeah, I liked the match. I thought it was a decent little match. I don't give a shit about fire and desire. So them murdering them had like absolutely no effect. Um, it just made them look awesome. Uh, Tegan Knox's leg braces is Jesus. It's like Stone Cold times fifteen. It looks like still. Um, uh, it's like a transformer. <laughs> is she still going to be doing that? Like shiny, the shiniest wizard as a finisher. She did it. I still. <laughs> it's just such a heel move with the giant knee brace, <laughs> like. <laughs> 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 I know that she's not a heel, but as soon as I see the giant knee brace or her move is a knee to the face, it's like that's a foreign object. That shouldn't count. Um, yeah, all jokes aside, <laughs> literally has that metal shit. on that. <laughs> yeah, like that's like I don't know. That's kind of like loading the boot up or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like Rhea Ripley. I think that she's definitely in line for for Shayna unless they end up you know, moving Shayna after this Becky match. But, uh, I, I mean, and that could be the route that they go. But, yeah, it's good overall. I wonder how they're going to move up talent from NXT. I have questions about that after this draft um, because, like, obviously the draft didn't really mean anything at this point, or at least not to me. Um, <laughs> like, I, did, did she, I guess she has to drop the title, and then she could just sign wherever she wants because NXT people are technically free agents. Is that how that works? Or have they said anything? I don't even know if they brought it up. God, I have no idea. No idea. No. Apparently, it's all on the same level, but obviously, it's not. You know, um, like you know, we can say that NXT is 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 main, but you know, I mean, obviously, we're on SmackDown. It's going to be different. So, the free agent concept, I have no idea. I mean, here's the thing: if after Survivor Series, if they actually fucking go with the rosters they have and they keep them separate, and Survivor Series is supposed to be that one time they come together. And what they do is, like, maybe trades and shit like that, and that's how they incorporate it, like a sport. I'm okay with it. But like you're saying, if it's going to be fucking whatever, then that's stupid. That's dumb. There has to be some sort of sport aspect. 
it's just one of those consistency things that always drives me insane with WWE. It's like they just shouldn't have done a fucking brand split. Like, especially yeah. if it was going to last 11 days before people were showing up on the other shows. you're going to have two different like, shows on two separate networks? Yeah, you might as well just keep yeah. the same fucking roster so you don't have to go worry about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's just – it's a really fucking – it's just dumb. It's uh, <laughs> the best way to put it. I, I mean, the way they described it, and, and this is more curiosity about people coming up from NXT, is that anyone who wasn't drafted in the draft is a free agent and can go wherever they want to go. So that literally means anyone from NXT could be signed anywhere, but it'll be curious to see how they play that out since NXT wasn't actually involved in the draft. I'm assuming that what what it was is that NXT was by itself. They already had their roster. Finn Balor made the transition, and then that they were all signed to NXT, but it wasn't a, a, officially a part of this draft because they already had their actual roster. Now, why they didn't use that whole roster to trade with Ron SmackDown – I don't have an excuse for that one. I have no fucking clue. I, there's nothing. Yeah, I mean the but Finn Balor he, thing was uh, a li- is a little weird too, just because he wasn't he wasn't drafted and could choose to go anywhere. They should have played that up a little bit more. I don't. I'm nitpicking. We can continue. Sorry, I, I went on a little bit of no, a roundabout turn there. It, it, it's some good questions though about that. Anyways. We had an awesome NXT Championship match. Adam Cole going against Daniel Bryan. I think the coolest aspect is, yeah, like I said, I'm a Shawn Michaels mark. Just what are you going to do about it? But to have Shawn right there, you know, watching his old protege, basically from that crop of talent, I would say arguably the best one, Daniel Bryan. You know, no offense to Bryan Kendrick or a lot of the other guys that learned under that same wing, but Daniel Bryan has risen to the top. And I would say Adam Cole, out of his new crop of talent that he's teaching, is one of his best students. So just for him to watch the two of them do a match that they probably put together, you know, from the seam of their fucking pants, and for it to be that good, honestly, it was a fucking good match between Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole with Hunter right next to him, I thought was really fucking just, just, uh, just a cool aspect of it. And the fact that Cole didn't even need – the undisputed error to win. He got a clean win on Daniel Bryan. It was a good fucking match. And after the match, uh, the NXTs filled the ring and Triple H cut a promo where you could tell like he was trying to get to the ending a bunch of times, but he forgot that the ending was we are NXT. So he had to keep on going back into it and getting it out of it. But, you know, it was whatever. It's fucking Triple H. Uh, but just the, he's building. I'm building an army for Survivor Series. Like just great shit. Um Good way to end the night. And like I said, I really enjoyed the match. I watched it twice. Chris, what do you think about the Adam Cole-Daniel Bryan match? Match of the night by far. Uh, very good back and forth. I liked the um, I liked the counter at the end on uh, on the knee with the super kick. And then obviously leading to the finish after the Panama Sunrise in the last shot. I thought that was some good shit. I, uh, the Triple H promo, like you said, it's almost like he's like, and we're almost out of time. Okay, we have more time than I thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just like that's nitpicky stuff. The match itself was great. I've also watched the match a couple times. I thought it was really, really well done, um, and really great to see Adam Cole pick up a win here. Wish they would have done a little bit more with the undisputed era on Raw. Um, but I, I guess we can move into that now since I, it, I feel like half of the part, like half of me talking about SmackDown, is me getting ready to shit on Raw. So, yeah. Well, let's get into it then. 
Okay, so just like uh, SmackDown, the show opened with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Um, and Paul Heyman was explaining that Brock's ability to quit SmackDown and show up on Raw is special because he has Heyman as his advocate, and not everyone can do that. That's a very good explanation. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Heyman promised that Lesnar would hunt down Mysterio, which we saw via him, um, you know, uh, just destroying some poor bastards in the back. Like, I actually felt bad for that. Obviously, he's a wrestler. He's a plant. But, you know, he just grabs this guy, and he's banging his head against the fucking table and just grabs him off. Then he gets – Brock Lesnar is a scary, scary motherfucker. He gets to the other guy in the car that he's like, Ray Mysterio's in there. He's over there. Runs over there. One-handed, grabs this guy by the fucking foot, pulls his ass out of the fucking car, punches the fucking – the the door enough on there that's hanging on there after he's pulling it off and then kicks it like mule kicks it and it fucking falls and you can tell they didn't really like dig the door as much as like a Braun Strowman segment that looked like he fucking did some damage to that shit that is a scary scary dude uh, one of the best things about this sh- or the show was what they're doing with Ray and Brock Lesnar I will give you that because Ray was awesome later on, and we'll get to that, but Brock was awesome right now, I think. Chris, what do you think about the beast getting beastly? Fuck. I, I was, you know, it started out just kind of like normal Paul Heyman. Um, I expected him to talk about his swing because he talked about how he had some stroke in the back because of his position previously. So I was like, okay, maybe he'll just say that, and then he didn't. And then they, he kind of talked about the trade thing, and he's like, but it's not because of that. It's because Brock's fucking special. So I think they're going back to the uh, – they did this previously with Brock Lesnar where like he no showed shows, even though he didn't really know it was like a planned no show or he showed up and had like five second matches at house shows. And it was because he didn't really want to wrestle. Um, I think maybe they're going to play that back into it, but yeah, him for that poor catering dude, <laughs> he's like fixing a salad. It just immediately got wrecked by Brock. Uh, the car door made me laugh really hard because there's this great moment from, um, it's a, it's, a, it's a while back with Brock Lesnar, but they had a spot where he was supposed to rip a car door off, and he ripped it off, and it was clearly gimmicked, and he threw it, and when he threw it, it like went like all the way into the crowd, and some random fans caught it and started holding it up. Uh, Holy shit. <laughs> so I just assumed that they like were like, okay, we've got to make sure the door's more secure than last time, because uh, he like threw it like a fucking frisbee. Uh, so yeah, look that up. Brock throws car door. Um, some great gifts out there of these two random dudes and like the like the section that's off the stage. You know, it's like a good thirty feet away from the the side of the stage. He just launches this car door. Uh, so it reminded me of that. And, um, yeah, just him kind of scaring everyone. And then it leads up to a little bit later with uh, Ray looking for Ray. But I, I liked how they set the show up with a hot – kind of a hot angle and us wanting Ray to do some more damage to Brock. And, I mean, I kind of right here I was like, all right, Ray's going to get him somehow. He's going to do something sneaky, uh, which which pays off. So I actually really liked the way they opened the show. This is a very Paul Heyman opening to say the least. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. All right. So the next match is a bit of a head scratcher for me. Uh, not a bad match, but I just don't understand the booking. Um, Natalia and Charlotte Flair want to get the Kabuki Warriors, uh, the women's tag team champions, uh, the ones that are built really well in NXT. And for some reason, when they go to Raw and SmackDown, 
whatever. Um, so this is a non-title match, uh, but Natalia tapped out Oscar by the submission of the sharpshooter. I understand Natalia just came off a, a monumental match over in Saudi Arabia. I get that. And her tag partner, Charlotte, who's awesome. And even if Charlotte did it, why the fuck are, shoot, are you pinning the fucking champions? I know they're never going to go back to this. It just to give her a fucking win on Oscar and like not to use Kerry Sane, I don't understand. That 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 bothered the hell out of me. And I thought the match was pretty good, but that that booking just I, I was clueless about. Chris, what'd you think? This match started out really good, especially Charlotte. I was like, damn, Charlotte's so awesome. I even sent you a message midway through, but then like halfway through the match, she just seemed like she didn't give a shit. So I don't know if she's like was pissed off about the Saudi thing because Andrade got stuck there. Um, or what, but it's like she stopped trying. They also came back from a commercial with a hot tag where Charlotte's like one inch away for what seemed like forever, and Natalie, just, like Nat- Natalia, just couldn't like tag her in. And then, like, the next spot was they did this corner spot where um, I, I want to say it was Carrie Zane was going for like a low, like a basement drop kick, and Charlotte just gave her a big boot and then made the hot tag anyways. And I was like, yeah, I think you guys could probably could have just cut that spot instead of looking ridiculous in the corner, but whatever. So like the tell, like like the last four minutes of this match were pretty awful. It was it went a really long time, and uh, like you said, Natalia, I think that if you're going to give her the win here, you put her over on Carrie Zane just because there's nothing in the immediate future for Carrie. Um, they didn't go that route. They had Asuka tap out, and I think this is the first time Asuka tapped out. Not a hundred percent sure on that, but it should have been more of a monumental thing with Asuka tapping because she's kind yeah. of known as a submission wrestler. I could be wrong. Maybe she tapped at Becky. I don't think she did though. Like I think the last time they fought that she beat Becky. So I, I don't know. I mean, the setup is down the line was supposed to be Asuka versus Becky, but maybe they're scrapping it. I get why they gave Natalia the win. I just thought it was a little bit weird. Um, to do that, or I mean, I, I guess the big question is: Is this setting up a tag team championship match? Is Charlotte going to just turn on Natalia and the Kabuki Warriors get a win? If so, no harm, no foul. Um, but yeah, just a little weird to have Oscar, who they're building as a number one contender, or were building as a number one contender, take a loss clean in the middle of the ring to a sharpshooter, um, and also not hit the miss gimmick, like not even attempt it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a little weird, to say the least. And, and like I said, the beginning of this match started out pretty good, and then I it fucking fell off the rails toward the end. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and that, that, that's the weird thing is that you have your Kabuki Warriors that you've been building strong kind of look pretty silly at the end of that. But who knows? Maybe they have more plans with this. Probably not. Uh, Lesnar was continuing his hunt for Rey Mysterio uh, and basically came to the announce booth, uh, followed by the um, walrus himself, Paul Heyman, and uh, they were threatening Jerry Lawler. I think Paul said something uh, that they make, we will make sure that they don't resuscitate you this time um, when your heart stops or something like that. Reference to his heart attack that he had on air a couple years back. Uh, the, the funny thing is, if you're, if you're a diehard wrestling fan, you know that even though they're now cool for the longest time, fucking Paul Heyman, Jerry Lawler hated him. So it's uh, just just funny that he had, like, you know, he was talking shit and Brock was overlooking them and about to destroy Lawler from what it looked like. Um, 
Dio Madden stuck up. I didn't realize how big Dio Madden is. And I'm like, dude, this guy was trained by Booker T and looks like that. Like, what the fuck happened? I'm assuming injury or, you know, it just, it's, he's, he's great. From what I've seen, I've, he's, he's, he's good at commentary. I'm not going to say he's great. I need to see more of him. But when he was right next to Brock Lesnar, Brock, he was taller than Brock. But uh, Brock grabbed his ass, F5'd him through the announce table, and Rey Mysterio made his way uh, to save the uh, attack um, from Lesnar and had a pipe that was called a lead pipe. Uh, really, it was PCV pipe. Uh, and then in a follow-up segment, uh, Mysterio, who cut an awesome fucking promo, I think he's been doing, you know, uh, some of the best promo work he's ever done, honestly. The Pash, the aggression, the only problem was the fact that that, that so-called metal lead pipe, whatever the hell, he was pointing at the camera and you could definitely see it was PCV. Oh, well, shit happens. Mysterio challenged Lesnar at Survivor Series, and that is the match we're going to get taking Lesnar away from a match between him, Bray, and Adam potentially happening. I actually think I know what the direction they're going on with at least two of the champions, one of them being Brock Lesnar. Uh, but what did you think about this segment, Ray getting the better of Brock, and then Ray's uh, promo afterwards? Yeah, so I like the segment a lot, minus the resuscitation comment, just because it came out really, really forced and very harsh for no reason if the idea is just Brock is going to kill him you know I I don't know I didn't necessarily care for that I it Jerry the King Lawler has almost died like twice in the past less than five years I don't necessarily need that put out on TV um, for me at least uh, I liked Dio uh, standing up for him and I think if I'm not mistaken I believe that he is Jacqueline's son um as far as what happened in his wrestling really? career, I have no I, I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure that he's like Jacqueline's son, um, and was I know he wrestled in NXT for a while, but I I don't know if he got injured or what's going on with that, or maybe they're building to a match with him and Brock, which would be interesting. I think that would be kind of a um, a neat thing if he shows up, even if it's just a very short match with Brock and Ray. You know, Ray comes out and pulls a uh, pulls another pipe on um, Brock's knee or whatever, but I love the Rey Mysterio segment, and uh, his promo afterwards was phenomenal. He's, right now he by far is the biggest baby face that they have, um, and the storyline is really working, and Rey is kind of super over, or at least I think he's, he seems pretty super over with the fans, especially going after Brock, and they're at least trying to make it believable by him injuring Brock. Um, they did say later in the show that Brock didn't leave on his own power, meaning that maybe he hurt Brock's knee. So, I mean, in reality, I think we, we all kind of know where this ends. Unless Kane attacks Brock and costs him the title, we're going to see <laughs> Rey Mysterio <laughs> go to Suplex City. I, I think that's probably the uh, the end result of this year. What's weird is that the Survivor Series – they're doing a bunch of like champion versus champion matches. Like the the women's match is like champion versus champion versus champion, right? Yeah, and that's what I'm wondering because it seems like, you know, when we, when we get the XT, we'll talk more about it. We have a possibility it's going to be the club with Finn Balor going against the Undisputed Era, is what I'm getting the vibe. Yeah, and I mean, what what I was kind of getting at. So what's the team going to do? Exactly. So does The Fiend – is it something where you know Ray doesn't get this match 
right off the bat because I don't. I, it's just weird because I think it would be no, they have, if you can. Somehow, they have Ram Brock scheduled at uh at at Survivor Series. That's definitely happening. So I don't know what's going to happen with. That's that's what I'm saying. Bray's not going to go against fucking Adam Cole. That would be a, a weird match. So like, what do you do with him? Yeah, and I mean that you know the Fiend's not on the same brand. This is another reason why I think it was kind of weird that they switched Brock because now you could have set up something where the Fiend becomes Brock's enemy and costs him the title or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a little weird, especially because they're doing champion versus. I think even the tag, the tag team division might be doing a champion versus champion thing. Especially if you're looking at like you know the OC versus I I don't know that whole fucking thing is weird to me. It's a weird build. I like it so far, and I'm excited to see uh, Ray versus Brock just because I think it'll be an intriguing match. Um, and as always, Brock tends to work better with smaller guys. Even though I think that match with Kane Velasquez got shit on more than it actually deserved. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see where they go. That's the one thing that's exciting about this is like, what are you doing with a fiend? And um, who is going to help Ray? I'm assuming Kane is going to end up helping Ray, or that match is going to be uh, a very, very weird one, to say the least, at the Survivor Series. Yep, we'll have to wait and see on that. It's uh, interesting. Uh, we had a good match between Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander, and Buddy Murphy won. I don't remember that many details from it. I'm not trying to be rude. I've seen these guys wrestle a million times. I know that they want to push Buddy Murphy, or at least um, Paul Heyman does. Um, and I like Cedric Alexander, so exposure is good. You know, this is what it is. But uh, I think the next thing, it was uh, it was good that Seth Rollins came out and uh, cut this promo, I thought. I, I didn't think, you know, I've never thought Seth was the best on the mic. I think he's better as a heel, actually, I should say, on the mic than he has as a baby face. But I'm glad that he addressed the fact that a crown shul – uh, people were cheering for the fiend. Uh, that people were booing him right now. That he he hears all of it, um, and uh, Triple H interrupts him, and kind of comes and gives him a, a, a proposition. It seems, or at least telling him, you know, you said you, you, we we fought, we 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 spilled blood, we we broken bread, you know, doing that whole entire thing, um, bringing the undisputed era in. Uh, and trying to convince him to join them, uh, so to speak. And this would kind of set up a match, or no, it would set up a match after uh, AJ Styles and the OC uh, chased away the Undisputed Era. Um, Rollins was going to be going against uh, Adam Cole at the end of the night for the NXT Championship. So the whole thing is, like, is he, you know, if if he wins, that means that Seth goes to NXT. Craziness. Didn't see that happening, but whatever. But they were uh, both the, or uh, I should say the uh, OC, the OC and AJ Styles were jumped by Dominic uh, Dijakovic and Damian Priest, and then the jobbers from Raw came down to help. And for some reason, everyone left NXT uh, wise. They all just got out of there. Like, oh God, it's Kurt Hawkins. Everyone run. Like, no offense to Kurt Hawkins, but thought that was really bizarre. Afterwards, Rollins told Triple H that Raw isn't the same as SmackDown's depleted roster and that uh, that he was going to take a shot at Adam Cole for his title. So that was that. Was it interesting to you, Chris, seeing Seth Rollins address the crowd about uh, problems and, and showing what seems like real-life frustration a little bit in the ring and then following with 
the concept of Seth joining NXT. What would you think about this whole entire thing? I thought it was fucking stupid, and I just don't care about Seth Rollins anymore. <laughs> like, if I'm being honest, like, I lost, and now I don't know what I'm going to do with my life because Brock's back, and I'm sad, and you guys should feel bad for me. Even though I just openly said the crowd is fickle. Like, if it was leading to a heel turn and he was joining Undisputed Air, then great. But that's not what it's doing. He's staying on Raw. Um, his move means nothing anymore. Like, I, how can anyone care about Seth Rollins right now? Like, that's an honest question. What, what am I supposed to get out of Seth Rollins right now as a character? Nothing. <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's he's at the point where you turn him back heel. I mean, I know that they yep. want him to be the face of the company, but, like, it sucks. I think it's a lot of unfortunate things that happened in a row for Seth. I think that they fucked him over pretty hard with some of his booking, specifically putting him against Corbin for so long. Um, having him team with Becky, then just having him, uh, you know, immediately lose, and then doing the weird back and forth with Brock, um, making fiend. him cower from the fiend after chasing after Brock with a chair, like just weird inconsistencies in booking with his character to the point where the fans aren't even like, I, I mean, they like to chant the burn it down thing when he stomps his foot, but like outside of that, he's getting booed, um, and then you know, like. It would make the most sense of him to join NXT, <laughs> like especially after the promo he cut where he's like, I just don't know what to do. And Triple H is like, well, here's a hand, buddy. Like, come join the dark side. Um, and I know they're trying to play it off like Triple H is a heel, but he's not really a heel. He's just a guy running a different brand. Like, I, uh, I, I don't know, man. That It's such a weird thing. So, and, and then to top it off, so you have the strong showing of NXT – and then the OC shows up, and you're like, okay, that makes sense that they would back off a little bit. But then more of the NXT crowd shows up, Keith Lee and, and Matt Riddle. And next thing I know, Matt Riddle is selling punches from Kurt Hawkins. I know, I'm man. Like, oh. I'm like, Matt Riddle should be suplexing this dude. All. No offense. I like Kurt Hawkins. I actually like the Wrestling Figure podcast with him and Zack Ryder, like, it's just baffling that <laughs> you have them kill Sami Zayn. So Sami Zayn is now a bigger geek than Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> Put oh, that, wow. Like, th think about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I get what they were going for, but did they not have anyone else they could have rolled out like a Rusev or – I don't know anyone from the back that wasn't like just the 24-7 guys. Like literally that's who showed up. And if I'm not mistaken, Drew McIntyre is back there. Like wouldn't he want to come off out and take some of these dudes' heads off? He used to be in NXT. Like I don't know. So I hated all of that because um, it went from such a strong showing with NXT. At least it got better on NXT as far as the invasion angle. They, they look strong there. But that's that's the thing, and and they'll end up looking weak again on Wednesday because now Vince is fully back to where he was previously, and it sucks. It makes it really hard to care about these guys when they do shit like this. Um, yeah, but uh, as far as the Buddy Murphy uh, Cedric Alexander match, I felt the same way you did. 
Paul Paul Heyman likes both of these guys and is trying to get them both over. So it's almost like a rib to make them wrestle each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just make them have the same match again. Um, and the the fans didn't really care about it either, I don't think, after the race stuff, unfortunately. So it just got put into a weird spot on the show. I mean, the match itself was good. Um, just nothing really stood out. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to bury Seth Rollins. I actually like Seth Rollins as a wrestler. I liked him. I've liked Seth for a long time. It's just they have oh, put him into terribly. the worst fucking situation. And I know he's coming out and saying, like, it's fickle fans, but uh, part of that is just where he's at in the company. I feel like he has to say that. There's no way that he actually thinks that he's been booked well. Yeah. There's no way. Like, he hasn't been booked well since he got himself over. After the fucking gauntlet match, basically. Yeah, so. That's what always happens. It sucks for Seth, man. I think he should honestly, um, like, honestly, it wouldn't be the worst move. What's going to end up happening is he's going to have a big part in the Survivor Series, right? And they're going to think that that's going to get him back over. But what it's inevitably going to do is he's going to beat someone like Adam Cole, or he's going to beat, he's going to beat one of these big NXT guys. And, like, the internet fans that he's talking about are just going to hate him even more, and they're the most outspoken ones. Like, I don't know, man. If it's me and and Seth ends up in one of these matches, maybe you have someone like Adam Cole just beat him, um, and then you have him go away for a while and and come back. Maybe the absence makes the uh, heart grow fonder type deal. Or, I mean, you could just say fuck it and let Seth win the damn title at, at Survive Series against Adam Cole if that's what you want to do. And have Seth Rollins fucking just rebuild himself as a heel or as a babyface in NXT and try to regain that audience because that's where the marks are. So I don't know what the fuck. Unless they turn Seth as a heel on the current product, he's not going to work out. It's just he doesn't – he's not connecting with the fans. He's acting like a douching person. He has to keep on apologizing for shitty statements he makes. I just uh, – it's, 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 it's annoying. He's a great in-ring performer that only gets you so far. He's much better, and I think you would agree with me, when he's performing as a heel because it actually comes off like an asshole than when he's pretending to be a baby face and you just tell that he's a, a pouty bitch basically. I hate to say that, but – he, uh, I, like I said, they did. I'm not going to go as far as call him a pouty bitch or anything. I mean, that's how this promo specifically came off. A um, lot of them do. A lot of his, 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 like, whiny shit, like, why don't they like me? That's what I hear. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it sucks. I, there's so much you could do with Seth. Uh, and the first thing they could have done is not put him in that match with a fucking fiend, <laughs> or at least have the fiend just beat him. Because, like, if, if The Fiend just beats him, all of this goes away, and it's not as bad as it is, even though I would say it still made him come off weak. But it it amplified, and then the comments afterwards made it worse. And then, like, now they don't really have anything for him to do. Like, is he even booked on Survivor Series, realistically? Now that the OC is going to be going up against the Undisputed Air? Well, we don't know if that's going to happen. That was more speculation, but I have no idea. Because I just don't – I mean, even if you put Adam Cole versus Seth Rollins, like, I I still don't know that the fans are going to want to see Adam Cole lose to Seth Rollins. And also that match that they had later on in the night uh, was not very good. 
It was whatever. I think I think if they had, you know, more time and not a fucking fuck finish, it could have been better. But it's definitely not a uh, a pay per view match. I would say. Either way, let's, let's I mean, move if, on. If you, the worst part is like if you look at what they were able to do with Daniel Bryan and you look at what they were able to do with Seth Rollins, it kind of shows like the booking difference between the two shows completely. Like even yeah. if Seth Rollins beat him, Adam Cole here, it's not like Adam Cole looks weak because he just beat Daniel Bryan. Like they could have just did yeah. that and then had a beat down afterwards, um, but they had it's to make true. it a championship or, or match, fuck- so it makes it fucking weird. It could have just been a non-championship match. Well, that that luckily is our main event, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll get back to that when we get there. But uh, yep. before that, uh, Andrade and Selena Vega went against Sin Cara and uh, Carolina, and um, yeah, it, it was there. We're not gonna. I don't think that Sin Cara and Carolina are gonna be on the next show. <laughs> I think that Andrade uh, got two wins and, uh, you know, uh, three wins total, two with uh, Selena Vega at his side. So I guess that was what they were there for. But uh, Rusev then came out, challenged Bobby Lashley, but Lashley couldn't compete because he injured his groin. Um, I don't know what exactly he injured it from. He had a big smile on his face. But uh, he he, uh, intro Drew McIntyre, who's now doing public uh, displays of uh, help, Towards his buddies, I guess, for the fuck of it. Rusev went against Drew McIntyre, and um, there was a DQ finish when Lashley hit uh, Rusev with a crutch after the match. Lashley continued to attack Rusev. Rusev fought back, but got hit by an RKO out of nowhere from Randy Orton, and then Ricochet made the save. I don't know why these guys are all helping each other. I guess it's the, the, the aftermath of the fucking Hulk Hogan Ric Flair, but I don't know why it's continuing. Uh, the only thing I'd say to this is that RKO. It's fun to watch. I'll, I'll just say that. It was whatever. Uh, what did you think about this whole thing, Chris? <laughs> uh, Selena Vega looks great, and Carolina looked greener than grass uh, in that match. There was a couple spots there that were very scary. Um, hopefully this was just build up Selena Vega more so that maybe she can transition a little bit and not just be just a manager. But, yeah, I think you're pretty much right. Sincar and Caroline. Carolina are done. I don't really see them doing anything more with that, um, which kind of sucks for Andrade because he doesn't really have anything to do right now. Uh, Rusev and, and Drew McIntyre, like, they're, they're going to keep going with this, aren't they? Because now it, it seems like, I don't know, man. This was bad, and I like you said, I don't understand why they're helping each other after this Hogan versus Flair match. Now there's no Hogan, no Flair. There's no reason to go on with this any further. As far as like Randy Orton helping anything, anyone is the most un Randy Orton thing ever. And the fact that he also didn't just hit Lashley with RKO afterwards is not very Randy Orton. Like it seems like he would have been smiling and all happy with him, and then just RKO. Lashley, but I guess the idea is like you don't want him to get over with the fans as a heel. So instead, you have Ricochet make the save, which just basically means that Ricochet and Randy Orton are going to be on the pre-show at Survivor Series. Like that's what I gathered from oh, that. Oh God, um, which will be a good match. <laughs> like I'm sure Ricochet can find a bunch of different ways to get himself into an RKO. Hey, um, maybe Orton, multiple Orton ones. just demanded 
Orton just demanded the amount of zeros he wants to stay for five more years, so I'm, I'm sure that he'll go on the fucking pre-show and do a dance uh, for it. I don't think Randy Orton gives a fuck. I just think it was actually cool to hear that he, he's he been pitching to Vince uh, for him to stay with the Revival as a unit. Um, you know, obviously we know him as a solo character, but actually I kind of like their dynamic of a lot of the groups that they've been fucking sticky, sticking Randy Orton in as of recently. So... Yeah, I, I know that he he resigned officially, right? Randy did. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, him versus Ricochet. I mean, there's worse things you could put on the pre-show, but that's kind oh, of yeah. I see that getting saddled. I mean, that's the only well, reason they would do the this, match. right? It's, it's not the match. It's the fact that you know you're probably right about the pre-show aspect. The fact that Ricochet and especially Randy Orton would be on there, but where the fuck else are you going to put them though in this situation? Or just wait, I guess, until. I don't know, some other time. Uh, but, I, hey, I had an idea. Um, so this is not potentially for uh, necessarily Survivor Series, but you were talking about Andrade and what we can do with them. Andrade and Aleister Black are on the same roster and had one of the fucking best takeover matches back when they were both on the NXT roster. Uh, they don't have to use Selena Vega in the storyline, but if they wanted to, they also have a storyline aspect where that's his wife, Alistair Black's married to Selena. Or they can just have them have awesome matches since they're not doing a goddamn thing with either of them. Yeah, I don't want them having any more relationship storylines at all, ever again. That's probably after. a good idea. <laughs> Lana. Well, without, also, like, without Alistair, a relationship. Yeah, I mean, Black, Black as a character doesn't need to even – it shouldn't even be acknowledged that he's married to Selena ever. I hope it never gets brought up. Um, but also currently what they have him doing, cutting these promos isn't doing much for him either. So yeah, him versus Andrade could be cool. I, but if they're giving, they're basically giving him a win streak though. So that just means Andrade has to lose to him. Um, that's a good point. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Alistair Black just comes out and kills Rusev, Bobby Lashley and Lana and everyone pops like that would, <laughs> that would be what they should do. <laughs> At oh, this geez. point, I think the fans, I think the fans would be super behind him just hitting all of them with that uh, the black mass. Um, like and that's what I was thinking about Randy Orton. I was like, Randy Orton should have just gave everyone an RKO, like Lana, Bobby Lashley. Awesome. Like, that's a very Randy Orton thing to do. I know it's not very PC to give a, a female an RKO um, nowadays, but it it probably would have gotten the biggest pop of the night, and you could have had something cool coming out of this terrible storyline. Uh, yeah, the Rusev shit's awful, and so yeah. yeah but uh, as far as Andrade versus, uh, yeah, me too. Um, and also, I liked Drew McIntyre's reaction to when Bobby attacked him, which is just like he kind of just threw his hands down and just got the fuck out of there. <laughs> and the way he sold it on his face, fucking kidding. <laughs> but the way he sold it on his face was like almost like he was embarrassed to be even be. <laughs> Associated with any of it, and I think that was a shoot. Like, go back and watch just that segment for any if you anything about this match. If you have to, just watch McIntyre's like disgust um, as he walks away. It was it was pretty great. Yep. All right, we had a um, an interview with Becky Lynch that gets interrupted by Shayna Baszler, the NXT Women's Championship. Two had a face to face confrontation. Uh, and we're getting a, a triple threat along with Bailey uh, between them um, at Survivor Series. But I did like the interaction between the two of them, and I think that 
this is another thing, uh, kind of like Adam Cole having a match. To, the fact that Adam Cole got to main event SmackDown, beat Daniel Bryan, and then main event Raw, obviously we'll get to that. You know, it's pretty awesome. I think Shayna was treated really well, too. I think this segment was good. And, yes, she does sound like Mickey Mouse, but I think that she, she comes off fucking intimidating. And I like that Becky wasn't flinching at all, either. I like that Becky brought up Ronda, and I like that Shayna made it very well known, I am not Ronda Rousey. Like, look, you can fucking think about the fact that you tapped her out, but I'm not her. You got to worry about me choking your ass out. So I, I like this. Uh, I still don't think Shayna Baszler is going to win. Um, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. It's an interesting concept with a three-way. But uh, either either way, I like the uh, the promo, the tension between the two. Chris, what do you think? I actually like the build-up as well, and I think it's perfect that this is a three-way because Bailey's just going to get destroyed by one of them, um, more than likely Becky. But I, I don't see Shayna losing in this match, so I'm completely fine with what they're doing to build it. Um, and kind of how they're both disregarding Bailey a little bit. It's like we can't take our eyes off her, but like really, we know what this fight's about. So I'm assuming, assuming that Bailey's going to get some surprise offense, but end up being the one who who eats the loss. That would make the most sense, unless uh, unless somehow Sasha gets involved, who is now cleared to wrestle. So it'll be interesting to see if that plays into this at all, and maybe she costs uh, Becky in Shayna the match. Which, which is plausible, and you can build to the future. Either way, they have two different ways they can come out of this without hurting Becky or uh, Shayna. So I actually like this promo a lot, and I like the way they're building this match. It's like they actually thought about something um, more than just at the pay-per-view, a little bit down the line. So I, I enjoy this. All right, we had uh, AJ Styles in the OC going against Street Profits and Humberto Carrillo. Um Good match back and forth, uh, but, I mean, this is the thing about three-on-three is, like, you don't get to see a lot. And this kind of would happen on NXT with uh, the club. Uh, you know, it it just limits uh, a lot of stuff in the match. But um, Styles powerbombed uh, Creo and put his feet on the ropes to pin him and win the match. Uh, then we had Rey Mysterio and Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship confirmed at Survivor Series, followed by a match with the Viking Raiders going against the um, the East Hampton Polo Boys, uh, which Mean Street Posse uh, wannabes, I guess. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. Here's the thing. Viking Raiders are already champions. You've already been building them. Have them have actual fucking matches. Them having squash matches doesn't mean goddamn thing. Uh, whatever. I mean, this worked, I guess, in the early 90s with LOD on, on Superstars, but this is a very, very different time period. Um Bruce Pritchard, Vince, whoever the fuck. Anyways, Chris, what would you think about AJ Styles and the OC defeating Street Profits and Humberto Carrillo, and then the Viking Raiders uh, beating the uh, the, mean, the meaner Street Posse? Well, the squash match was what it was. It's fine. It just doesn't make any sense that the Viking Raiders didn't attack the OC, and then instead they had a squash match and then cut a promo about the OC. Like, directly after the OC just had a match. Also, like... AJ Styles should never have to fight Humberto Carrillo again since he's beaten him like four times in four weeks. Yep. So, I mean, I I get that they're trying to get Humberto over, and I actually think that he's got potential and could be a good wrestler, but you just had him lose to AJ Styles four weeks in a row. I, I know he won a battle royal, and that's supposed to make all forgiven, and then he lost, but it was after he had this long battle royal. But then he just loses again. 
I mean, I guess AJ used his feet, but now, you know, that, that none of this shit even matters, and we're getting what we're going to talk about with NXT. So it's like, it just move Humberto onto something else and give him some meaningful wins um, and get him away from AJ, because I'm only going to associate with him losing clean to AJ like three times. Yeah, I agree, man. They need to do something with that. It's uh, it's repetitive, and he had the same thing with Cedric before that, and he had the same thing with Ricochet before that. Uh, it's it's not getting anywhere, and it really doesn't help out the guys that he's going against. And I don't think AJ's a dick. I think that he's actually more like Daniel Bryan, where he doesn't want, he he probably wouldn't mind putting these guys over, but that's the way they build him for some reason. And just take the U.S. title off him and let him fucking work with these dudes and. Have I would rather fifty fifty than just good younger talent getting destroyed in tag matches and normal matches with the same fucking person over and over again. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the big deal is like make if Humberto's already lost to him twice, make him have to earn the title back, give him some meaningful wins, and then have him just beat AJ. Like I don't understand why it's that fucking hard. Um, but yeah, right now, if you get put into a feud with AJ and someone's thinking about pushing you, then enjoy losing to AJ because I guess that's how you get people over. No fucking idea so. what's going on with that. Oh lord, I don't know. All right, well we had the NXT Championship match. We kind of already talked about this a little bit. Seth Rollins going against uh, Adam Cole. Uh, there was a DQ. Uh, when the Undisputed Era in- interfered, uh, this turned into a big brawl between uh, Raw and NXT. Everyone was just fighting and, and, and stuff. And like like beforehand, it was NXT's biggest guns and a lot of Raw's smaller guys. We're well, not smaller, like, you know, lesser. I w- well, that's a bad word to use, too. You know what I'm fucking saying. Either way, uh, yeah, kind of wish this match was like the Daniel Bryan match. I wish that they had 30 minutes to actually give us something. But it was cut short, and also, it was fine. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's weird that that Daniel Bryan uh, didn't have the Undisputed Era attack him, but Adam Cole did it this night. So I don't know if they're trying to position Seth Rollins on that high of a level, but whatever the fuck. Anyways, uh, Chris, what do you think about this match and the aftermath? I mean, I don't understand why the Undisputed Era like decided to interfere when. You know, Seth was going for a curb stomp. It's the least efficient move he has, so it wouldn't have fucking mattered anyway. <laughs> Cole would have just Cole would have just no sold it and got up. Uh, no, all, all jokes aside about the fact they've killed Seth's finish. The match itself was okay. Um, it was very short, and coming off of that Daniel Bryan match, maybe not the best thing they could have done here. It would have been awesome to see them maybe utilize someone from the Undisputed Era that wasn't Adam Cole for this spot and then had the Undefeated, uh, Undisputed Era run in. But, you know, whatever. They're trying to position Seth Rollins still as the top face of the company. So they want to make him look stronger than Daniel Bryan. I don't think it helps that the match wasn't very good and that it ended in interference, but it's also the difference between... Um, what I would like to assume Triple H booking the majority of a show and Vince kind of making more choices on this Raw show. I think that you could see the hard difference between the two. Um, Especially kind of knowing that NXT is going to get the short end of the stick at Survivor Series a lot, I'm guessing. So it would make sense to at least try to build them up here. Knowing that SmackDown lost almost every 
I think they lost every match at Survivor Series last year. Um, I would assume the NXT is kind of the fall guy, unfortunately, maybe outside of the Shayna match, just because I feel like they're going to protect her a bit more for down the line. But yeah, um, yeah, not a huge fan, dude. Uh, I don't think the match was terrible or anything. I'm just I'm kind of over where Seth Rollins is on the card, and uh, especially because of the way they booked him. And uh, the interference didn't make any sense, like you said, with Daniel Bryan. To me, at this point, Daniel Bryan is a little bit of a bigger threat than Seth Rollins, but that's just the way he's been booked. Yep. All right, well, this all concluded on last night's episode of NXT. Uh, I thought it was a good episode. I really uh, did enjoy it. I will say that... I thought it was a standard episode. Let me just say it as that. I thought that all the matches were solid and everything was great. The addition of AJ and the OC was awesome. My biggest thing is you just got all these fucking people that have seen possibly NXT for the first time. They could have put a little more oomph into it. I mean, you know, the level of showing a lot of new viewers a I – know, I know that they've already had a bunch of matches, but like a Keith Lee – Dijakovic style concept, like some of the stuff that they're known for. Maybe a couple more fucking Ron SmackDown people to kind of bring it up a bit. I thought that, that it was a good show, uh, but I liked the AEW show better, and I love NXT. I'm not, I'm not dogging it at all. Just Wednesday Night War, and um, I just kind of wish that they fucking incorporated a little bit more because I know that they probably had a lot of new viewers. Uh, you know, before we go into it. Chris, do you agree with me, or, or do you think that I'm just being harsh on uh, NXT? No, I mean, I think they should have played up the people that were going to be there on Monday Night Raw, specifically towards the end, if you're going to have the OC show up. Um, and then we saw a lot of matches that we've kind of seen already, specifically the Pete Dunne, uh, Damian Priest match was a follow-up match, some of that stuff. I just wish they did a better job of promoting NXT and making it seem like a bigger deal. Um, so from that yeah. standpoint, I kind of agree with you. Well, we had AJ Styles and the OC uh, start off the show uh, saying they were taking over NXT. I like like AJ when he first said, sure, this, is, this is NXT. All right. I like T. Fucking Georgia. He didn't say that. Uh, but I said that. So, um, yeah, but anyways, Tomas Ciampa – he objected to that concept, came out, you know, he had his crutch. They were like, you know, you think you're going to beat us with that? And then comes out Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. So that would set up our, our main event for the night. Then, like you said, Chris, we had a match with Pete Dunne uh, going against Damian Priest. Um, I, yeah, the last time that they went against each other, Damian Priest won because he kicked, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Pete Dunne in the, uh, the Dugan. Uh, so this is going to set up, obviously, a third rubber match. I guess after Pete Dunne gets done with uh, with uh, Killian Dane, I'm not quite sure. Anyways, uh, Pete Dunne defeated uh, Damian Priest by submission with an armbar after uh, blocking a low blow from Priest and then countering one of his own and then breaking his fingers and then giving him the armbar. After the match, Killian Dane attacked Dunne. Priest tried to fight off Dane but also got destroyed. Um and then we cut to a video earlier uh, in the day. Rhea Ripley chose Tegan Knox and Kayla Saray for war games. Uh, Shayna Baszler chose Bianca Belair and Io Shirai. 
So we're squared away a bit on what's going on with that. But, Chris, mainly, what did you think about the intro with the OC and then the match followed with Pete Dunne and Damian Priest? Yeah, so the the, the Damian Priest-Pete um, Dunne match I thought was really well done. Uh, is just as good as their last match. They should have a gimmick where Pete Dunne is, like, just Pete Dunne versus everybody. Should be, like, his new tagline, apparently. <laughs> Since he's got like multiple feuds at all points and times, especially if you include the stuff in the UK that I guess is still going on or unfinished. Um, yeah, I thought that was a good match, and I liked the intro to the show for sure uh, with the OC and um, Champa being like Daddy's home, which is <laughs> kind of a weird slogan, but he's been doing it, so whatever. I, I, I enjoyed it, and it was uh, nice to see that they kind of are putting Matt Riddle and Keith Lee up there with Champa as like some of their top guys as far as people they could pick to put in that spot. So I like that as well. Yeah. And I, I did dig the Pete Dunn, Damian Priest match. I thought both guys really worked well with each other and I'm looking forward to a third match. And I'm, I'm kind of like, it seems like Damian Priest now kind of respects Pete Dunn. So that's why he attacked Killian Dane for like, you know, hitting him by behind, but Killian Dane, man, they're building as a monster. And uh, I definitely can appreciate that. So then we had a series of um, uh, matches. Uh, first uh, one with uh, Tanara going against Santana Garrett. Um, Santana Garrett's been around for a while. Uh, she was, I think, in the first Mae Young Classic. I've seen some stuff from her. Another, She's really good, and I don't know why she lost to Tanara, which, no offense, she's very uh, unique personality all over the place, you know, but just not – the greatest in the ring. I just thought that was kind of, I wouldn't have, have gone for that, honestly, but you know, anyways, uh, Tanara won with the pump kick. And then we had the NXT women's championship match. Uh, Shayna Baszler going against Dakota Kai. Uh, the whole concept of Dakota Kai won this match. She would add to Rhea Ripley's team, uh, but inevitably Shayna Baszler defeated her. After the match, uh, Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir attack Kai. This brought out Rhea Ripley's War Games team to make the save, but they were attacked by Io Shirai and Bianca Belair, representing Baszler. Ultimately, Mia Yim showed up with the kendo stick to make the save and send the heels fleeing, and she was added instead of Dakota Kai, much to her dismay, uh, to the team. So, yeah, it looks like it will be Mia Yim, Rhea Ripley, um, and... Uh, the rest of the rest of the wonderful team from uh, from Rhea Ripley. But uh, what do you think, Chris, about these two women's matches, along with Tanara and Tanara Garrett, and then Shayna Baszler and Dakota Kai? Yeah, the Tanara match was terrible. I, I think they would have been better off just leaving that off TV and giving more time to some of these other matches. If I'm being completely honest, um, they just look kind of lost in multiple spots in the match. Um, yeah, so I, I don't have a lot of positive things to say about that, so I'll just move on to the the women's championship match, or the women's cha- – I guess it's not a championship match, but the the Shayna match. Uh, I actually thought this was really good. I like Dakota coming out of this match kind of as a sympathetic baby face who you feel like slightly screwed over and didn't get picked and was kind of passed over. I like what they could build off of that. Um, I also like Mia Yim sh- showing up with a kendo stick and kind of making the save against the heels is and the crowd really popped for it as well. Um, that's going to be a fun 
War Games match. I, I like how they're setting it up and building towards it. And I'm excited to see what they do with Dakota Kai coming out of this, even though I think like later on there was like a post interview that was kind of terrible with her. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, yeah, that was fucking was terrible. Um, but a lot of those backstage Let me ask you about posts. That. Do you think that Dakota Kai is going to go heel and be the fourth person along with Io Shirai, um, uh, Shayna Baszler, and um, who else? Oh, Bianca Belair? Do you think they're going to pull that? I, I hope not. Um, I'm not going to say that's see him doing impossible. It. I could definitely see them doing that, but I, I kind of like her character as just being passed over and then maybe just taking these girls out one at a time after – or these women out one at a time after this war games thing is over, or maybe even random people get, I mean, if you're going to go the heel route, it would make sense for her to like injure someone on the heel team or the baby face team. Um, I think that would be interesting, but they could do that. I just feel like they kind of have a strong heel presence already and not as many baby faces. Um, I guess you got Rhea, and Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, they're three, but like pretty much everyone else we named are heels, uh, minus me yep. M, right? So I don't know. All it, right, it, so that, that's, uh, that's interesting. I could see that going either way. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I could just see them uh, trying that out. So we got Tommaso Ciampa, and he said that he was uh, that he chosen his final member of War Games team, and we'll find out who it is later. And so we know that he said that, but Chris, he never announced who that person was. Obviously, it's not Finn Balor since he helped attack him and Johnny, you know, a couple of weeks ago and shit like that. And they, they didn't make it look like that. So I guess they're just saving this for, you know, next week to extend it. Unless I miss something, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's it's this seems like they're doing two mystery placements right that's kind of what i came came away with it from i will say i haven't seen kevin owens recently maybe he's randomly gonna show up on nxt like i'm down for that uh i wouldn't be against that um yeah i'm thinking probably we'll see who they end up filling in with but you would like to think of the velveteen dream right if he's good to go I mean, this is pretty soon. I know he's coming off injury. This would be very soon, but that would be, if I had to guess someone, it would make the most sense of it. It would be Velveteen Dream, unless they're pulling someone, like I said, like Kevin Owens, who just happened to not be on Monday Night Raw Monday. Oh, man, you know it would be awesome. And I know it's funny because we're going to have this takeover with War Games, and then the next night's going to be Survivor Series, so they're going to be pulling double duty, which is whatever, but... What if Kevin Owens is announced as the fourth guy with the baby faces? So it's Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, him, and Tommaso Ciampa against the Undisputed Era. And just so happens, KO's the last person to come in the cage, and then he just fucking helps annihilate all the baby faces and joins Undisputed Era. Because he was, I think, last week at in backstage at the show hanging out with Adam Cole, who's one of his best friends. So uh, I would way rather that than whatever the fuck they're doing with KO right now. Yeah, and I, they kind of teased it with the Undisputed Air shirt, so I could mm-hmm. see maybe see them doing something like that. Um, and like I said, they haven't done anything with Kevin Owens because they can't, they couldn't do anything with him nope. headed into Crown Jewel after the draft. 
and they can't really do anything with him now headed into Survivor Series because of the way that they're building that thing up. And he wasn't on Monday Night Raw, even though he wasn't in Saudi. They didn't move him to SmackDown for that show. So maybe that is possible, especially knowing that they've done in the past the connection with Kevin Owens and Triple H. Um, I will say another heel turn for Kevin Owens, if they're going to do it, him going back to NXT would probably be the best move there just because they flip-flopped him like three times this year. Um, but the, I, my, if I had to take two guesses, it would probably be Kevin Owens or Velveteen Dream is healthy and he's going to fill that spot just because I don't see anyone else strong enough, uh, at least on the NXT brand, to for you to put up there. And, and Pete Dunne, obviously, is probably going to be fighting Damian Priest. They're not either Damian Priest or they're going to make this a three-way with Priest and Killian. That's what I think. Yeah, I could totally see him doing that. Yeah, it's interesting, so, I mean, that man. Could... It's uh, hey, and 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 Adam Cole's already said, Chris. You know, there is one person like he was like he kind of said about Undisputed Era when asked about more members. He said that he likes the four, but if there were to be one person that maybe they would consider, that would of course be one of his best friends, Kevin Owens. So. What, what if uh, what 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 if Champa's go-to is John Morrison, who hasn't debuted yet? Oh, that's a good point too. Hmm, that's very interesting. I, I just thought about that because he's easy to forget, but he did sign an NXT contract and did show up in the crowd, and you could easily put Jomo in there, and maybe lead to a disagreement with you know however you want to do it, but you could put you know Johnny Gimmick name in there and and for sure have something fun. Um, and he would be good in that kind of match too, especially with working with Undisputed Air. Uh, so maybe that's the perfect oh, yeah. go-to, and it would be a, a good debut for him. And I just, like I said, I just thought of that one. The Kevin Owens one's probably a little more far-fetched. So like, maybe if Velveteen's not right, they, I mean, they have a loaded gun. It's not like John Morrison doesn't know how to wrestle the WWE style. So, yeah, I think that would be a good debut for him too. Absolutely, because yeah, because you got to think. All right, even if, you know, and we're we're going to get down to it, but even if they end up doing Undisputed Era going against uh, the club and Finn Balor at Survivor Series, we would assume that Johnny Gargano is going to be going against Finn Balor at TakeOver, that they're going to build towards that in the next couple of weeks. So that would make sense. So Johnny's out, out of it. Finn's out of it. You know, there isn't a lot of choices. Velveteen Dream is injured. What do you do outside of him? Those two make the most sense. Johnny, John Morrison who would be a great baby face to be involved, great debut, or Kevin Owens, him fucking over the baby faces at the end of it and joining Undisputed Era. Either way, fucking awesome. Would be great. Uh, let's hope that some ZXT stuff like that might happen. You know? Yeah, because it's NXT, I feel like either any of those scenarios are possible and they will make good on any of them. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing where that storyline goes for sure. And, and I still fucking love Chompa. He's great. So I'm sure it'll be awesome, whatever they do. I love it when he claps. I love it when he, like, praises himself and just claps just fucking overdramatically, like, ha, 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 ha. Like, that shit's just hilarious, man. He's like a, he's like if you take Pac and, 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 uh, and John Moxley and fucking just put it in a blender and made him even more crazy. This is a crazy old man <laughs> with a beard. Love it. Uh, let, let, let's uh, move on. Oh. Angel Garza and Tony Nese, I thought it was a pretty damn good match uh, for the number one contendership for the Cruiserweight Championship. Back and forth, both men, 
you know, Angel Garza has been getting a lot of losses lately, and I'm glad that uh, the last couple he's picked up. And Tony Nese, I think, is a good competitor, especially past Cruiserweight champion. After the match, Leo Rush, who was on commentary, talking him up, uh, you know, wanted to shake his hands, and instead Angel slapped the shit out of him across the fucking face. And smiled and walked off with Leo just like, all right, that's what you want to do. Let's do it. Uh, I thought I, I liked the match and I liked the uh, setup afterwards. I think that Leo Rush versus versus uh, Angel Garza does sound like a fucking awesome match. And uh, Garza's are a great fucking wrestling family, man. Always uh, sprouting out great talent. Anyways, Chris, what did you think about this match? Angel Garza looked great in this match, man. He, there's something about him that really stands out, um, at least to me. And I look forward to seeing him versus Leo Rush. I think that's going to be a great match. I also love the fact, uh, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but I love what they're doing with the cruiserweights on 205, and I like their transitioning. If, I hope they fully transition that show to full sell. I just think it'll it'll do so much better there. And um, the booking on 205 Live, if you watch it as a show, is actually pretty good. Like It's not as good as NXT, but it's pretty solid. So I think giving them a stable audience for people that can get behind it and then having some people like Angel Warza and Leah Rush being there uh, gives that thing a chance to to be something that I want to watch week to week. So uh, I like this a lot. And I thought the match itself was pretty great. I love the uh, the, the sunset slip or sunset flip that Nice was trying to hit at the end, and he just ended up doing it onto the pants. It was a, a co- kind of a comedy spot, but it was a uh, it was kind of it was a really fun finish, and and uh, him slapping the shit out of Leo Rush was was pretty great too. So I, I like where they're going with it all around. I, I enjoyed this thoroughly. Yeah, I, I did as well. Uh, so we had another good match between uh, Dominic uh, Dijakovic going against Isaiah Isaiah Swerve Scott, aka Shane, Shane Strickland. Um, good back and forth. Not really much to it, uh, and Dominic would get the Feast Your Eyes for the win. We also found out that Mia Yim and uh, Io Shirai were going to be competing in a ladder match uh, to find out who has the advantage at War Games. That was announced. And then, of course, our main event. Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, and Tommaso Ciampa against the OC. Um, Basically, it ended up being, I believe, a no contest. Uh, due to multiple outside attacks, uh, Ciampa was about to put Styles away with the fairy tale ending when he was interrupted by Finn Balor's music. Finn hit the uh, 1916 on Riddle, uh, prompting an exchange of bullet club taunts between Styles and Balor. Great shot of that uh, online if you guys haven't seen, if you didn't see the episode. Styles uh, looked to win the match with Styles Clash on Ciampa. Adam Cole stopped him with a super kick. And then Cole uh, started attacking Ciampa and had a stare down with Finn Balor at the end. So, yeah, lots of stuff. Like I said, we've kind of already kind of gone over the fact that we're going to have the match at uh, Survivor Series. And it kind of seems that it's positioned to good. It might be the club and Finn Balor against the Undisputed Era. I don't know. Maybe that's a speculation on my part, but it seems like that's what they set up to me. Um, which would be fucking awesome. I think all fans would love that. Uh, just a really, 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 uh, really cool Survivor Series concept. But either way, thought the ending was good. I love how NWA, Raw, this, and fucking AEW all end up in basically brawling. Now, AEW took it to another fucking level, but it's all like people interrupting and brawling and random stuff. That stuff is shit's fun. I like it. It's fun. Anyways, what do you think about this last match, Chris? 
I like the match a lot. I thought it was pretty good. I like the buildup of kind of where we thought we were going, Balor coming out and uh, having his moment with uh, <laughs> the moment with AJ, 2014 Bullet Club, was, was fun to see. Um, and then I like kind of Cole stepping up at the end um, and stopping him with a super kick and then having a stare down with Balor. I thought that was all good stuff. I guess the biggest question here is what – to me, is what they're going to be doing with Seth Rollins. Because if it's going to be Seth Rollins versus Adam Cole, then it almost guarantees that you're going to have someone join the heel team for the... You almost have to for uh, the Undisputed Era because they're only going to have three members in a, what, we were, what we're going to consider the Bullet Club versus... I mean, I guess they could just do that, but then what's Finn going to be doing? So it's... I don't know. That's a little weird for me. I want to see who these mystery people are going to be, and hopefully they do that next week. Um, well, because I mean, signs are kind of pointing to Seth versus Adam Cole at the moment. Yeah, that's that, that's what I'm wondering if they're going to do that, or if they're going to go on the four and four and have the club, you know, with Finn going against Undisputed Era. It's a lot of different options, and that's actually that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang. All right, let's move on to <laughs> AEW Dynamite. Uh, it started off with a match between Tremperetta and Puck. Um, just good to, a good match started off. Now, if you're watching and you're flicking between, you kind of seen it start off with the OC and AJ. I got to admit, I kind of like had my attention uh, with what was going on a little bit on NXT right then. But Puck uh, won with the Brutalizer after the match. Puck said that he'd make an example out of Adam Page at full gear. Pac uh, meeting Orange Cassidy went about how you'd expect uh, throughout, you know, at the beginning of the match. Orange Cassidy came up, did the kick thing, totally Pac, like, no-sold the shit out of it and just beat the crap out of him. So that was – I like that they keep on doing that. If you're going to have Orange Cassidy, you know, out there trying to do stuff, as long as people don't actually sell it and because it's stupid – you know, and maybe he learns from it eventually, or, you know, he's still extremely athletic. Doesn't bother me. I think that's pretty fucking funny, but uh, people are paying the ass. What did you think about this match, Chris? I, I love what they're doing with Orange Cassidy. I hate that the, he's getting in the ring with the referee just staring at him. I think that you could bump the referee or the ref could be distracted more or get to the distraction earlier. Um, but, yeah, Orange Cassidy, with, no, with everyone no-selling it, it's kind of great uh, because – the whole idea is that he doesn't want to wrestle, and then he finally does. It, they could do that into a breaking point, and, and then, like, you have the end of the best friends or him leaving the best friends. So, I mean, this is obviously – Orange Cassidy, to me, is, like, at top the uh, an intro match or a middle-of-the-card match in AEW right now. And this is something fun that they could do with him. Uh, so I don't have a problem with it outside the ref just, like, letting him get in the ring, which I – have more of a problem with than like him actually doing the spot and him like them like the people not selling it is actually better than when he does it in <laughs> people sell it especially with the crowd yeah. reaction of them acting like Pac is getting fucked up but he's just no selling it like taker or something um i kind of <laughs> like it i think it's fun uh i like this match a lot i thought trent beretta looked incredible in this match and obviously he has Pac to work with so or pack to work with the bastard pack um, but yeah, I thought this was a really, really fun match. It, a great opening match and, and gives Pac another win. You could easily see him going to the title picture depending on 
what they do with Cody, which I guess we'll get into a little later. But um, I liked this. I thought it was a hot opener. I started with AEW and then watched NXT afterwards, so I didn't have the back and forth as much as you did. So I just started out with Smash. Was like that was fucking awesome. Um, yeah, so good match all around. Um, one of my favorites of the night, surprisingly. I really like this match a lot. Yeah, Tremperetta, man, he reminds me of Fandango. I don't know how those guys move so smoothly, and they're both like 6'5". Like, they're fucking tall dudes. And uh, Trent especially, man, he does some crazy shit with his body. Anyways, let's talk about the promo that I think a lot of people uh, have been talking about, the ungoddamn deniable promo that Cody did, uh, talking about Chris Jericho hyping up the match for this weekend with Tony Schiavone. Um, I thought this fucking promo, honestly, right now, I mean, maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I just got caught with the fucking AEW bug from this, but I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about the promo because Cody fucking killed it, honestly. The Rock praised him online. A lot of great people, great mic work praised him. He had passion in it. I love that he brought out the fact that, you know, you're trying to call me an untitled millennial. Uh, you know, and acting like I have a silver spoon in my mouth and like, who the hell are you? You're the one who came up with a famous hockey father and just went down it and, you know, said this is for my father, but this is not just for people that are not here. This is for my mother. This is for my, my wife. This is for my sister, you know, and just got so into it. And then at the end saying, and I've gone from being undes- undesirable to being un-goddamn deniable. And I love that he called him, called Chris Jericho a dick. Um, and we'll get to Chris Jericho's side of the story in a second, which was fucking awesome. But great <laughs> promo work, man. So much passion. Cody has excelled and become one of the top all-around guys, I would say. You know, not saying that he's an incredible aerialist, but he's someone that can fuck. He's, he's good in the ring. He's great at storytelling, great promo, great look. And you believe him as a baby face. And one day he's going to break all of our hearts when he turns heel. But I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. Also within this stipulation, if he loses this match, very Tim Storm in NWA. But if he loses this match, he doesn't, he can't uh, go for the AEW World Heavyweight title again. Which, that's one hell of a fucking stipulation. So unless they do something where MJF like completely screws him over at the end prompting to Cody realizing that, that that he got screwed out of that so he can use that as an excuse. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. It's very interesting. Chris, what do you think about this promo? Cody is the best babyface in the world right now, and it's by fucking leaps and bounds. This promo was amazing. This is the best promo I've heard in probably 15 years, maybe going back to like I, the only thing I can even compare it to is the pipe bomb promo, which I kind of throw down a little bit less because it is a shoot esque promo, and it was followed by a good storyline. Where this was a promo where he made me believe him as a wrestler, believe the story that he wants to be Jericho. He talked about his position in the company and how he, it doesn't. He's that doesn't mean that he's going to book himself. Like basically talking about I'm not going to book myself strong just because I'm the president. Um talked about his family. I mean, it was just a great, believable, fucking old-school wrestling promo, and it was awesome, and I loved everything about it, and as soon as it was done, I was like, man, I can't wait to see him fight Chris Jericho, and then Jericho's promo later on, while being more comical, still made me want to see the match so bad because he was such a dick. I mean, you're putting Virgil in your (laughs) promo video kind of just makes you a dick, but I'm like... I hope he kicks Jericho's ass. Um, 
Let's talk about that. <laughs> I gotta talk about this video of Chris Jericho. Because, my God, man, after that much passion from Cody to switch Jericho, doing this, like, this pseudo-documentary about himself and Sammy Guevara starting it off and, you know, coming over to him and, and uh, asking him if he wants more bubbly, and then Chris Jericho kisses him on the head, and then Sammy says, like, stuff like, he's the youngest AEW champion of all time. <laughs> and, and then they have Soul Train Jones, uh, you know, uh, Virgil praising him. And then Patricia, Patricia Bobsky, who's Chris's aunt's friend from church, just putting him over and just building him as his god. And I just, I was, I was crying by the end of this. She knew. And he said he's since, she knew since he was a child that his destiny was to become the AEW champion. <laughs> he says, He says that all he's worried about at Full Gear is drinking a little bit of the bubbly. He's not worried at all about Cody. So, Chris, what do you think about Chris Jericho's wonderful video? I I was just excited to see wrestling legend Soul Train Jones. (laughs) Uh, It was awesome. I also like they kept cutting to Jack Hagar like he was going to say something, but they never said anything. (laughs) (laughs) It was so well done. And I feel like this has, like, I know Kevin Sullivan's doing the video work, but it's, uh, oh, man, Sick Nick Mondo, I know, has been very involved with him recently because he also did the John Moxley stuff. And And if you haven't seen it, by the way, the AEW preview for Full Gears on YouTube, and it's really great as well, uh, especially the stuff they did with uh, Santino and Ortiz, the LAX. But, yeah, this was awesome, and it just made me hate Chris Jericho even more. But, like, in a good way. Like, Jericho's the best. <laughs> Sammy Guevara is asking, he's like, this one's a little more dry, and this one, <laughs> he's like, sure. And he just kisses him and walks away. Like, what the hell? I love Jericho. <laughs> He's, all right, he's well, talking about he's he's like talking about Cody's got all these meetings to worry about and all he's got to worry about is figuring out where's the best play to go place to go get some bubbly. Oh man. Oh, just a master. Just a master. What a great combination. Just an amazing emotional promo from Cody and then a segment from Chris Jericho like this. Uh we also had uh, we'll go over these three matches together. Not a lot happened storyline-wise. They were all good matches. The private party went against the Dark Order. Um, I think it's good that big um, – I don't remember the guy's name, but I'm glad he doesn't have his stomach hanging out, basically. Like, he wore a vest or some shit. I just – I'm still not the uh, biggest fan. Evil of the Uno. Um, there you go. There you go. Uh, but they won with Gin and Juice uh, for a shot at uh, the AEW uh, Tag Team Championship three-way match. They'll be going against the champions, Silk Allen Censored and the Lucha Bros. And then we had Emmy Sakura and Jamie Hayter going against uh, uh, Re- uh, AEW Women's Champion Rio and Shauna. And uh, Sakura won the match. Sakura pinned Rio to win the match. That was her, you know, teacher. Um, and uh, it's going to be a student versus teacher match, I guess. Uh you know, I really like Jamie Hayter. She is a very gorgeous woman, by the way. All the ladies, uh-huh. are but for, she she caught my eye a lot. I'll just say. Uh, and then Sean Spears won against Brandon Cutler. 
Uh, Sean Wong with a bicycle kick and a running Death Valley driver, and then of course, uh, what's his name came out. They had a, they had an altercation uh, on on Dark, and then Joey Janela came out at the end of it. So it looks like it's going to be Sean Spears and Joey Janela. What do you think about these three matches? You got Private Party and Dark Order, Emi Sakura and Jamie Hader going against Riho and Shauna, and Sean Spears beating Brandon Cutler. Chris. Private Party had a pretty good match here. They sold forever, but the the Dark Order looked good in this match. And I like the I like they're doing a three way, and they did like a second place and third place team where they gave them medals, so that the tournament actually had like you know three definitive like finishes or or you know top tier kind of like the Olympics or whatever, and it builds to a three way match at the pay per view. I think that'll be very good because SEU will be able to do the more serious work and let private party and the Lucia brothers fly all around. Um, so that, I think they, they kind of booked that very well. Uh, Emmy Sakura, I thought she's really coming off as a good heel. I think people are starting to get the, the, uh, the stomp gimmick. You're not supposed to cheer for because she's actually a fucking heel. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of fun to she see the, the, off, the crowd do it. She kind of comes off like a female Yano almost sometimes. Especially with her facial expressions. A little bit. I think she's being bigger to try to get the crowd into the match because um, they were a little yeah. Jamie Hader is great. She wrestles in stardom with uh, Session Moth. So you can kind of see that combination together as like a tag team. Uh, so I, I like her a lot. Um, and she looks good here. I think this is her second match from AEW that I've seen. And I like the teacher versus student with Sakura beating Rio. So that was great. The Sean Spears with Cutler match, you just knew Cutler was going to die. He's like the resident jobber right now. So he got beat by Sean Spears. I thought Spears gave him a little too much offense, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and then the follow-up to AEW Dark, like you said, they burnt Joey Janela's tongue. They actually pulled his tongue out and burnt it with a cigarette uh, totally, under Tully Blanchard's demand that of was Sean awesome. Spears. So it set up uh, a match between those two. So hopefully Janela kills Sean Spears. Um yeah, and just see a babyface get a win. And and also Janela kind of needs a win. He's taken a bunch of losses um, with him having to go against Moxley and, and some of the other matches they put him in uh, situations where, well, he has to lose. Like going against Omega or going against Moxley, he's taking losses there. So hopefully he picks up a win at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's so many things just getting set up. I love it. All right, so we had our last match, our main event, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara going against Hangman, Adam Page, and Kenny Omega. Really starting to grow some fondness for Adam Page even more so. I think that he's getting intensity. He's not just coming off kind of like wishy-washy beforehand, like hopeless dude. You know, he's he's pissed. He's going to do some cowboy shit. We saw that chant several times. Uh, and I love that Chris Jericho's heels ass is letting Sammy do pretty much all the fucking work. And Tony Schiavone calls him out immediately uh, about it. Like, you know, Chris Jericho has been in the, in the ring for about 10 minutes now. And Sammy's just getting going back and forth with Paige and fucking Omega. But uh, the ending, we would see Omega, um, the, Paige and Omega lost because there's interference from Pac. Pac low-blowed Adam Page, uh, allowing Jericho to hit the juice effect for the win. After the match, a brawl broke out between the elite, the inner circle, with Kenny Omega and John Moxley scoring off with barbed wire weapons and everyone brawling on stage. It was fucking awesome. I believe what had happened was uh, uh, they were beating the crap out of Adam Page in the ring. Kenny tried to come back. Chris Jericho kicked Kenny in the face. It looked like it was gnarly fucking rough. 
Uh, and then Cody Kane made the save. Everyone get out of the ring. Uh, but then MJF uh, grabbed uh, Chris Jericho, who was trying to flee, threw him back in the fucking ring. Uh, he had a chair with him. And it just went crazy from there. Like I, like I already said, Kenny and John Moxley started squaring off. He came to the audience and was beating people. At one point, they both beat up someone. Uh, Kenny gave him the B-trigger. And who the hell was that? I think it was LAX because they attacked him earlier. Uh, came out, and then the Young Bucks came out. It was nuts. It was mayhem. At the end of it, Chris, you know, and and not only that, the main thing that made this the most epic, two people. I love Excalibur, but hearing fucking JR and Tony Schiavone do this, and I've heard them on their separate programs do the same type of thing, just, oh, my God, everyone's right now, just, you know, just commentating for this <laughs> was a throwback. It was awesome. And at the end of it, I expected, like, like, you know, we already saw, like, Nick Jackson jump off the damn thing. I thought at the main stage, all of a sudden, Kenny and John Moxley were just going to fall in between all of them, just beating the shit out of each other. Like, it was a great way to send <laughs> off. JR was counting down the fucking seconds to get more, more, more shit in. But he did perfectly right off the air, and everyone order on pay-per-view. Full gear from AEW. What did you think about this uh, last match and ending segment? The match was great. I loved. Uh, <laughs> there was this one spot where Guevara like had made a tag into Jericho. Jericho got his ass whipped. He hot tagged back out. Guevara gets like some offense. He goes to tag Jericho. Jericho's like, I, I can't right now. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> so Guevara like ran across the ring and hit the uh, hit Hangman who was on the apron and then tagged Jericho in. I thought that was pretty great. Just some great subtle Jericho heel things. Um, I like Cody Rhodes finally getting his move on Jericho, even though it resulted in this giant brawl. Um, I like that LAX just continuously shows up out of nowhere. Um, the barbed wire thing was pretty funny. Once again, they're teasing it, so eventually we're going to get to see it happen. I love that they continuously have teased this. I like Moxley's not on sides with anyone, so he just started punching everyone that was near him, uh, which was pretty great. Um, the V trigger that that Kenny hit on one of the members of LAX was like one of the best ones I've seen in a long time. I thought he killed the guy. Um, yeah, this was just awesome all around. And the best thing about it is all of those are matches. Technically, <laughs> they were going to yeah. get to see or at least three of them. It set up three matches out of one angle. Like you said, they went off the air completely crazed. Uh, great show. I absolutely loved AEW this week. I thought it did a great job building to their pay-per-view and making me want to see Young Bucks versus LAX or uh, Pride and Power, I believe is what they're called. Um, Kenny versus uh, Moxley, obviously, and then the biggest one, Jericho versus um, Jericho versus Cody, which is going to be incredible. But it also built things for the future when you look at – they're talking about uh, Inner Circle versus the Elite – kind of in a War Games-esque type deal they're going to be doing on their own uh, down the line. I like the that you know if Cody loses, it builds a storyline out of that because he can't challenge for the championship again, so he can put someone into that position. Um, I like Sakura versus Rio as the next championship match. I think that's fun, teacher versus student. They built a lot of really good shit out of this. Even the low-card match, like 
Spears versus Janela. Like I want to see that. They burnt they burnt Joey Janela's tongue. So like so far they have made me want to see this pay per view. Not based on like is this person going to show up or is this person going to show up, but like here's four or five matches that you should see because it's going to be fucking awesome. And I forgot about the fact that we're going to get Private Party versus Lucha Brothers versus SCU, which will be fucking incredible as well. Yeah, man, good shit. And uh, good stuff. Like I said, I think I liked uh, AEW more than NXT this week if we're talking the war. But both guys, uh, they, they did pretty good in the ratings. Uh, the viewership uh, average uh, for AEW was 822,000, and NXT was 813,000. Obviously, it did make an impact with Raw and SmackDown with NXT, I would say. And SmackDown went from being in the 800,000s, the lowest, the week previous to being over 2 million with the invasion. Uh, all around good stuff. Chris, I'm about to send out, so I'm going to let you close out with the audience. Uh, any last statements and any plugs and anything else? No, no. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that everyone was able to tune in. Can't wait to talk about uh, our preview on Saturday, so make sure you tune in for that. If you're into hockey, you can check out Throats to uh, Skates to Throats, almost at Throats to Skates. Scroats, that's a different show. Uh, Skates to Throats podcast. We talk about hockey each week. There's a two-parter up from this weekend. And uh, as always, I hope everybody has a great week. And uh, I'll ship this over to you, Dave. All right. Well, you guys have a great evening. Thank you so much for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Remember, go to our website, Geek Vibes Nation. There you'll find news uh, for our, you know, different content Involved with comics, comic book movies, movies, video games, wrestling, sports, geek stuff, we cover it. You also find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, and our Facebook at Geek Vibes Nation. And you can find our show, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. EST and Saturdays at noon um, EST on Blog Talk if you'd like to listen live. And then we're also recorded on all the platforms afterwards if you want to listen to on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, so come and check that out. You guys have a lovely evening. Thank you so much for listening to us. Peace out, Geek Vibes Nation. Have a good one. And here is actually a word from a friend of ours, uh, Johnny Gimmick name. Have a good one. Peace out. Hola. It's the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick's name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And let the geek vibes be with you.